I think this goes back to kind of our example when we say equally yoked. Right. When you're not equally yoked and one is pulling the weight, eventually all that does is creates resentment and that person feels the pain of the yoke crooked. And when that yoke is crooked, it's hurting the one who's doing all the pulling and the other one's just kind of getting drug along anyway. So right. both of you are wasting your time. Right. But when you're both pulling, I will say, and I, I think just purely on the results, from the day we started then to today, I believe all jobs, all companies, all outcomes have been exponentially great. Oh, yeah. Just because there's two pulling equally. Absolutely. All right, all right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Council Podcast. I'm your host, Riley Meek. And let me tell you, I'm super stoked about our, I can't even say guest necessarily today, uh, because he is, you know, on the leadership team here with, with Steve and I within the King's Council, Mr. Scott Thomas. Welcome to the show, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Great <laughs> to be here. Great to be here. Yeah, man. This is going to be fun. We thought, you know, we're literally recording this podcast in our hotel room right now, which Scott and I for the most part, live in three quarters <laughs> of our life, it feels like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we thought it would be a, a, a great time for us just to hop on here and let our listeners know. I mean, a lot of a lot of members within the King's Council tribe have, have met Scott and have heard from him on our coaching calls and things like that. But we thought it would be great just to hear kind of the origin story of this marketing ninja guru and you know just how we've met because you know Scott and I go go way back long before King's Council was ever even a, a thought in our, our mind or even before Steve and I had known each other and so we thought it'd be great to come on and just get that origin story as I mentioned of the legendary Scott Thomas so Scott man give us we'll get into like how we met dude but take us back to like little boy Scott oh boy <laughs> <laughs> How far back? Let's go all the way back. All right. So I was born in upstate New York, like Rochester area, kind of that area. Most people, Rochester, Buffalo, and really kind of a small town. Grandparents, my parents met in a really, really small town. I think there's probably five, 600 people. It's really, really small. Rushford, Rushford Lake, Rushford area of New York. And, you know, for the most part, I had what I thought was, you know, a kind of a Norman Rockwell sort of kind of upbringing. We were at church every Wednesday and every Sunday, and there's four of us kids, so two boys and two girls. I was third child. Uh, you'll be able to sense that at some point uh, as you get to know <laughs> I'm, me. I'm like, third child. What's that supposed to mean, man? No, middle child. Oh, okay. Well, there's a difference. The baby is different than middle. <laughs> yes, yes. So, yeah, so I, I learned a lot growing up, and I kind of have learned as I get older that I find some of what shaped me is some of those really early years, especially having brothers and sisters and different personalities in the house and just going through me trying to kind of find my way. I was a little more spirited, if you will, as a child. Teachers and babysitters may have called that something different, but I'll remain calling it spirited. I had a little <laughs> extra energy and I was always looking for stuff to do. So I, you know, what I found when I was younger, I would, I would learn, believe it or not, I believe the origin of some of my marketing slash communication skills, things like that started like really young. So being third, my, my oldest sister was sometimes our babysitter. So I would notice that if it was just mom home and we were all doing stuff and I wanted to get my way or I wanted to do something, I would ask her a certain way. But if my older sister was babysitting us, 
she handled things slightly different than my mom. She had a slightly different personality. And then, of course, when mom was gone, she was the boss. So if she was the boss, I had to consider handling those things a little bit different. And I learned a lot about the four of us have pretty different actual personalities. And I learned different communications. And I noticed that just by changing your words or changing the way you ask for stuff or changing the way you approach a person, the likelihood and the chances of getting something that you're trying to accomplish or if you're trying to um, influence them, like if I'm trying to get my sister to allow us as a babysitter to stay up late, was very different than trying to get my mom to get us to stay up late, right? right like knowing knowing your audience. Yes, you got to know your audience. Sure, got sure. It. So I think what I found a little bit there was communication skills. Not only do you have to understand others, but you can actually change yours a little bit. So flash forward, getting into school age, I had one thing kind of going for me. Maybe somebody would relate to this, but uh, I got glasses when I was like four. They didn't have LASIK back then? No, LASIK. No, I had the big, <laughs> you'll shoot your eye out, black framed, you know, Christmas story glasses. Right, the Red Rider. Uh, the Red Rider, right. So, but here's kind of something that I noticed. So I was a little bit chubby, had tons of uh, energy, always wanted to play, always wanted to do stuff, but I was also the kid with glasses. And there's times in elementary school, everyone wants to play dodgeball or Everyone wants to pick a team and they want to do something. And I noticed you don't necessarily get picked right off the bat as the stellar athlete that no one knew I was at the time. <laughs> so I do remember a couple times where I didn't get picked. And there was things that I would do to get around that. So I started noticing that if I didn't get the response I wanted, I could adapt and change. So one of the things I did at a really young age is if everyone was going to play a game and they had to pick me for a team, I knew I might get picked last. So I was always the one on recess and other places. I'd go out and I'd start or I'd create the game. Because if I make the game or I started it, I'm almost always going to be one of the captains, right? right? So there's no chance of not getting picked if I'm the leader and I start my own thing. So that was kind of that early entrepreneur, hey, if you really want something to happen, you got to do it yourself sometimes. So I learned a little bit of that early, early, early. But as a student, I got to be honest, I, I was happily breezing through with season D's. I was definitely <laughs> not the studious one. I, I didn't really have the attention span to stick through school and academically, you know, trying for straight A's. I gave up on that relatively quick, just said, hey, as long as I can pass and keep moving, let's keep going. So I found that as I got through, kind of flash forward into high school, I found that I didn't really know what I wanted to do kind of in life, right? And I, I was trying to figure out my way and trying to go. And my parents were super, super supportive. So tell a little bit about me when I kind of say Norman Rockwell. Again, church every Wednesday night with youth group. We always had youth over at our house. Sunday morning, Sunday night, sometimes if there was other events, anytime there was a summer camp or program, we went all the time. It was great. So my view of the world was kind of like what I think is kind of clean and pure. Both of my grandparents made it to their 58th wedding anniversary. Both sides of my grandparents. Wow. And my parents to their 53rd. I'm probably not going to get anywhere near that. But what I found, brothers and sisters, the whole thing, like everyone's marriages, family unit, that was all kind of super clean to me. So I learned late as I found friends of mine of divorced parents and broken homes and things. Like that. So those other things kind of came to me a little bit later too. So I was sort of oblivious. I thought I thought everyone could run, everyone could draw, everyone had two parents, everyone had happy household. Like I just thought that for a long time. So I learned stuff later and that was in high school mostly because that's kind of when you're trying to find your way and you're exploring and then you can drive and you can go to friends' houses and you learn more stuff. So there was that middle of high school when I finally said, all right, no more glasses. 
I got to try something I different. Like, I like girls. <laughs> There's girls around. Holy cow, right? And they don't like the dude with glasses as much. So, no, no, no offense if you wear glasses. No, 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 no. But, but as a kid who that bothered them, right? So that right. was one of my things that I carried. So through high school, I, I asked, discovered girls and, and that changed a couple things. I wrestled in high school for a little there and I was like, okay, I like that because it's not a team sport. I get to go out. If I win, I get the whole prize myself. But if I lose, it's only on me. So I also found that I was pretty self-reliant and I had to dig deep because I wasn't so sure of myself a lot of times because I wasn't that good at grades and some other things. So I had my own insecurities as anyone else did. So what happened was in 11th grade, I was taking an oceanography class. This is a pretty pivotal as it goes to career. So I want to kind of touch on this. In 11th grade, I had an oceanography class and toward the late end of the semester, we had to dissect a little shark. And, you know, they got the metal trays with the wax in it, with the pins and the whole thing, and you got to cut it open. And I remember the teacher saying, okay, when you're done and you've identified all of the parts, I want you to take out a piece of paper and do a little diagram, like draw the shark and point. That's the stomach. That's the this, blah, 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 right? So being the smart aleck that I was as a young kid, what I did, I drew this thing like the pins, the drop shadow from the pins, the shark was laying open. It had scars on the shark. I remember the wax of the pan. I drew cuts because people would take the exacto and cut their initials in the wax. I drew everything. So it looked like a photo, a black and white photo of this shark, and it was labeled correctly. So I remember Mr. Lersch was his name. My teacher came over and he just froze for a second looking at it. He goes, where did you get this? I go, what do you mean? He goes, where'd you get this drawing? Where'd you get this picture? I said, I drew it. And he goes, man, can I have that? And I kind of went, I mean, I, I, I get, I mean, my mom will probably want it, but I guess you, you could. I mean, I, I guess I'll ask her. He goes, how about this? You give me this drawing. You just show up at the exam. I'll give you an A. I go, oh yeah, it's yours. I'll let my mom know. Like, no problem. But right then what clicked, hold on a second. Does art actually have a currency? Does somebody want art? And am I the only one here who can do it? Like, oh, there's something different. And that was like an aha moment for me. Which, by the way, guys, there's a reason why I always sit to, what is it, to the right of you? The to the left of you. When we play uh, Pictionary or any other game, Telestrations, which is a game that my wife and I cannot sit by each other, <laughs> if you've ever played that game. But I always sit where Scott is passing me because... I do the drawing and I hand it off to him and he's got to guess what it is. Yes. It's pretty easy to guess pretty, when it comes it's from It's pretty easy. <laughs> and when he's saying like shadowing, the, I can, I'm literally envisioning like the his initials in the wax it's and cut, the shadow. The that. dude's an exceptional drawer. <laughs> <laughs> Back to so, the story. Uh, no, I know, but it was kind of what's funny. is It was even in a rebellious smart aleck kind of way. Like I could have literally just drawn the thing and passed it in and been done with it. But I'm right. like, you know what? I'm going to go a little overboard, right? <laughs> so I went a little, as they say now, extra. But... So what happened is it triggered, uh-oh, there is something I can do. Sweet. Well, I know I don't want to go to college. I, I just knew there was no chance. Four more years of school? Are you kidding? I was counting days in my senior year. But I ended up asking a guy from our church who was uh, director of marketing of a big uh, company. And he said, I asked him, is, is there any business? Is there any way to make money doing art? He goes, oh, yeah, we hire marketing artists all the time. But some of it's going to be with computers and some's going to be a little bit different. But yeah, you can make good money doing that. I go, oh, okay, well, I'll go learn that. So I left high school two weeks later, signed up, paid my own way to go to a little technical school, did almost a little over a year and a half. It was kind of at your own pace kind of school because everyone was a little bit different. 
And I knew I wasn't going to make four years. I did that. I started working. I uh, got a couple jobs at like ad agencies and little things like that. What I learned though through the process of understanding the art was the commercial side of the art. And it was messaging and getting your message. And, and do you know just by laying out an ad a certain way or doing a billboard or a sign or something with images that you're actually communicating to people – not always with just words, just with a, a feel or a the brand image or whatever those things are. So going through that, I learned, again, by changing imagery or changing a style that you can actually communicate different or evoke a different response from people. So then I started to, to practice more and more of getting response from people. And that's when I actually ended up working at BIC. Uh, you know, pens and lighters, the company, and I ended up working my way from the art room to director of marketing all the way through, and then left and opened my own ad agency, and I got them as a customer, which is already a, a task in itself. And then I had a bunch of really big customers in the Tampa Bay, Florida area, where I'm from, Clearwater, Florida area, and built that up, and then did a bunch of other kind of ad agency style jobs, things like that. But really what I've honed in on is I would say I... I mastered the craft of getting humans to respond so i can communicate in a way to get a human to respond in the way that we're trying to get them to respond and you now know this more so whether that's through art or images or communication verbal words whatever that is or email letters whatever that communication is so that's the marketing kind of world that i went through and then having uh, the agency for a while and then being founder of an online logo company with another partner of mine. At the time, we did a lot of branding. So I've branded over 15,000 companies. So there's a lot of understanding how humans view things, how they hear, how they receive information, communication. So that's really kind of the, the, juxt the, the, the bolts of that. Then I took a project with a marketing company. And I think this is about where we met because I was with that company for a while. I was director of marketing of a marketing company, which is already kind of a, a fun exercise for anyone who's actually spent a lot of time in marketing. It's a very difficult job as it starts. But when you work for a marketing company, everyone who works there thinks they're a marketing person. So the secretary is like, well, that's not really the best way to say it. Like, okay, but you're the secretary. Let me get back to what I do and let me work on this. And then eventually what happened is the ownership noticed that not only could I get the response that I could help the salespeople with how they should respond to the response and the communication going back and forth. And then I became director of sales and marketing for that company. And that's when we met. So now that was what, end of 2009, beginning of 2010, way back then. That was the first Decade kind of time now. we met. Yeah, yeah, a while back. Yeah. That's crazy. Yep. You know, we'll elaborate more on our relationship and how that kind of evolved and things. But a couple of things I want to just pinpoint out your dad wasn't an entrepreneur at heart was he so nope he wasn't actually so my dad true and true absolute family man for sure literally did everything for us the best dad I could you know, the best dad on the planet he was chairman of deacons he was a sign man for most of his life he worked um signed he was worked at a sign company he was in the military for a little while he was in the air force went to vietnam came home Enough of that. Started working at a sign company and was most of his life was a sign man. Very creative, different creative with his hands. He he was, you know, a sign man in New York and even when he moved to Florida. You're the welder, you're the plumber, you're the electrician, right. you're the painter. Like you you gotta be able to do all those things. And very few jobs require that much. So he knew everything from plumbing to wiring to soldering to welding to I mean, go all the way through painting to pinstriping and metal fabrication and everything sure so his creativity but 
um, saying this in the most simplistic, humble way. He, he never, they never made more than 40000 a year in their life. But that wasn't their goal. Their goal was to make sure that their kids ate, they had a good upbringing, household, family, friends, rules. We really understood structure. And like I said, obviously the lineage of parents and good dads. This is the other thing, and maybe we can touch on it a little bit, but one of the things I've noticed as I've gotten older, one of the biggest voids that I've seen is good dads. Is, and that's what I think right. big issue in America. That's one of the challenges that we have. It's not just the family unit, but it, but specifically good dads. A dad sure. that is the structure, leadership, backbone, all the things that they should kind of be. That's one of the things that we really, really are missing. And I want to try to figure out a way to try to help as much as I can in any direction that right. I can for that. Just to carry on that same legacy, because I know not everyone has that. Now, even more, the more people I meet and the more people who have had issues in their life because they didn't have a good dad. Is that's a big thing for me. That's a absolutely, big thing. dude. We'll do. We'll we're gonna do that for episode two of we'll you and I. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure, man. We'll we'll make sure that happens because I think we can go for hours yeah, on that. For sure. So the point that I want to bring up was that you know the, this entrepreneurship spirit that, that Scott has that I have. It's not like if you know if you're looking at like your life and your your upbringing, your background, and it's like you're the first person that's going to take on this new role. Like that really is the the point of entrepreneurship or the, the root word of it. The French word entreprendre or whatever that I, I, I don't speak say, French. Yeah. Pardon my French, uh, <laughs> literally, um, but it means to undertake, right? And it's like that—that's what we're doing. Why we host the CEO of your life events? It's like we are here to undertake whatever it is that's at hand, and that's something that you did, man, because you're really the only one of all of your siblings that's like a, a true entrepreneur, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. And there's nothing against like yeah. work. Your brother works different for- different paths. Yeah. yeah he's, my brother's an engineer, automotive engineer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. And it's just a different path. It's just, but it is one that is high risk, high, very oh. high reward, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it is the ability to simply undertake that task at hand. And, and I think that's one of the things that I really saw in Scott. And when we first met a little over a decade ago now was- you know, it as as you mentioned, like the sales and marketing director of a sales and marketing company. It's like, huh? Try to wrap your head around that. Like, yeah, you still have to do sales and marketing as a sales and marketing company. And it's always the thing that we even teach a lot of is like those who can't always tend to teach. Those who can't do teach, right? Yeah, and it's, it's like when hiring coaches, it's like everybody wants to be a coach and they want to talk about how how you're you're supposed to go do stuff, and but they've never done it themselves. That's why. You know, we never hire coaches that you know, haven't gone <laughs> haven't gone there before us. So, um, but anyway, and that's really why we came to you. Is like, dude, I, we needed to fill some rooms of of our ideal clients and prospects, and you guys were masters of that. So, I really kind of look at like you're one of the first coaches that I hired from a marketing standpoint to fill these events, and you know, you guys were crushing it on that side as as we built out the sales side of things, and, and we were you know, doing the first rendition of the, our seminar side of the business. For those that know our background a little bit, we have a company called the Social Dynamic Selling System in which we host dinner seminar presentations all throughout the country. We still have those companies. Scott and I have started eight of our own companies together and every single one of those have has hit seven and a couple of them eight figures. And that's really just because of the systems and processes that we've been able to put in place. But And we teach others that system too. So not just we don't do it just for ourselves. So now we're expanding that and, and teaching others how to do that too. So 
kind of proven the system and the scalability part of it out, like you said, is now being a coach. But we also said, let's use that same criteria for ourselves. Don't go try to be a coach or something you haven't done already yourself. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. And Scott and I, we hit it off you know, a decade or so ago, and then just through different opportunities and circumstances, situations that we've come across, you ended up leaving that company for another opportunity. And I was just kind of doing my own thing. I'd brought on another partner, a definite time of learning in my life of alignments and assignments. We talk a lot about with King's Council. And, you know, through that process, learned a lot, was making money doing it, but was definitely making a lot of stupid mistakes in, in my personal path and, and career. And randomly, this would have been, you know, what, six six or so years ago now? Yeah, seven, yeah. Six, seven years ago, a Saturday evening, I get this random text from Scott Thomas, who pops up on my phone. I'm like, huh. I haven't heard from this cat in a couple of years, man. And it was, well, what was it, man? I said, when are you going to be in Tampa next? And ironically, this is a Saturday. Ironically, my flight was booked for Sunday morning. And um, I was flying down there actually to do seminars that Monday and Tuesday, right within 30 minutes yeah. of, of where you live, man. So this was just kind of crazy. I said, dude, tomorrow. And, and we ended up grabbing dinner. I think you came to my seminar that week, did, didn't yep. you? Yeah. What was it? Walk-in tubs? It was, oh, yeah. it was walk-in tubs, yeah. <laughs> walk-in bathtubs. Yeah. It oh. was like, um, by the airport, meet me at the International Mall. Yeah, we went in Barley or something. Right? Yeah, we, that's right. a sandwich or something. And it said, yeah, but that conversation, like, again, I keep going back to it. And I know we tell the story a lot. But that conversation actually, sometimes you go in life and you go, you know, when did I go down my path and I turned right where I should have turned left? And then sometimes you go, where was it that I turned right? And it was right. Like that was the right, right I needed to take. Right, right, right. <laughs> but but that was one of those where I literally was sitting there going, okay, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like stuff that's going on. And I know if I just sit here doing nothing, then nothing's going to happen. And I, I hate the old sayings because I use them all the time. But if you think like you thought, you're going to get what you got. Right. If you do nothing different, then nothing different's going to happen. And I was sitting there going, I've got to change. i got to do something different. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask people that I believe and trust their opinion and think they'll tell me the truth. I think they'll shoot me straight. And I literally text two people. You were one of them. One already lived here. So it was like, hey, whenever you get a minute, I want to run something by you. And then right after that, I go, I'm going to call right. I text, when are you going to be in Tampa? Fully expecting you to go, not for a while. Why? What's up? You know, just a normal conversation would ensue. You go, tomorrow. I go, huh? <laughs> just like that. I go, okay. Let's, I'm going to make tomorrow work however it works. And through that conversation, hey, what's going on is literally what it was, right? A full, right. what do you want? I don't know. What do you got going on? Let's just start talking. We revealed the things that we want. We revealed, we revealed our vision for ourself is what actually truly happened in that lunch. And said, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to do. And I can tell you some stuff I'm not willing to break. I'm not, I, I don't want partnerships that are this way. I don't want to have a partnership where you feel like I'm taking a piece of something you got going on. I, if I can't come add something to you, I think these were my words. If I can't add something to you, then tell me now and let's not do anything. If I can add something to you and we can double or do more, how do we do this? What, what do we got to do? Right. And we just started talking, talking. He's like, well, I'm here to do seminars anyway. Why don't you just come check out the ones that I'm doing now? Because I was on the other side of the filling the rooms and that side. Like, well, let me just go watch the front side. I'm like, this is all the stuff that I quote hypothetically was telling people they should have been doing anyway. So it went back to someone who was practicing what they preach like right here live and in, in front of people, right. put themselves out there. Right. One of the things that you had mentioned earlier was you were a wrestler 
and it wasn't a team sport. You, were, you could be self-reliant. So I'm curious. Uh, we've never had this conversation, but I'm curious of like, I know you had like a partner in the online logo and stuff, but being somewhat reliant on, you know, because for me, most of my partnerships at that time was like, I'm doing everything. And it was just kind of, I had a partner. But what was it like for you having to trust, you know, coming on board with the systems that we had in place? Obviously, you brought a lot to it, but we had current employees, different things like that. Give me your take on that, man, just coming into so, kind of a new world. Actually, and I don't know if we've had this conversation. I know we've talked about this stuff, but one of the fears that I had, it was actual, absolute fear. So the fear that I this, had- This, by the way, is uh, of me putting Scott on the, the spot, spot on the podcast here. <laughs> He's so like, I know we're recording, so I'm going to hit you with the hardest, <laughs> some hard topics. You, I got like 14 actually, more questions, guys, no, so stay tuned. I, <laughs> and here's the thing. The, I actually remember when I said, I want to make sure I want to start this right because I know if it ends wrong, it's going to be bad for everyone. And I hate it because I've seen it. Right. So I want to start it right. And if it's, I can't add two. And I was consciously nervous all the time. And to be totally blunt with you, I am still today consciously nervous that what I'm providing is at any time ever taking away from something you think is yours or your effort. I do truly look at our relationship. It's 100% me, zero you. So then that leaves me no room to blame you for something wrong. It's a hard thing to do, but it also creates, it does create stress on me a little bit because the way I carry that load, but I still think that holds my integrity as high as it can, and it holds my, am I carrying my weight, question mark. I can go to sleep at night, no problem now. I feel like... If there's something for both of us to do, sometimes it's not, we don't just split it. I go, just let me take it. I'll do it. I think I'm better at that. Or I know you hate doing this. Let me just do it. Cause I, and it's not that I, I like doing legal lawsuity kind of stuff. Right. Either. If, if we get any of those emails, I, I know. Just, like, I let Scott read those. But I don't like them either, <laughs> but I know you don't like them. And right. I feel like that's something I can take off. Right. So I have that conscious energy. I have this constant like over kind of hanging over me. That that's kind of my personal contract. To that I, I never want a partner who thinks, or you're driving away one day going, "Gosh, I'm doing more of the work." Like I never want that feeling because I two reasons: one, I knew you already had that feeling, sure, and I wasn't going to be another one, and two, I wanted to be able to say I did my part, and and that's that's one thing that was very different than like when you wrestle. Listen, when you lose, you lose. You're like, okay, cool. Today he was a bigger guy, he was better, but right. it was either W or L. There's never a time where you both did good and everyone wins. Like, right. It wasn't like that, right? Is that why you always wore like the stretchy underpants? I still wear those. <laughs> I have a singlet on right now, actually. I wear it underneath to remind uh, me of the good hey, old Hey, I've already told them we're in the hotel room, so don't be <laughs> That's already awesome. All right, this just took a turn. Sometimes uh, grown men have to wear stretchy pants, not your libre. No, no. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, that's actually a really good question because I, I think sometimes, and you know, we have coaching customers that, that will ask us, hey, partnering is a hard thing. And I will tell you, there's a lot of times where the first thing I'll say is, if you're at all nervous or you think that you're unbalanced, I would work on not doing it. Or right. Don't do it. Get away. And especially if it's a family member. So there's there's times where you feel like you can actually do way more damage because you weren't crystal clear from the get-go, from the beginning. And I, guess, I think this goes back to kind of our example when we say equally yoked. Right. When you're not equally yoked and one is pulling the weight, eventually all that does is creates resentment and that person feels the pain of the yoke crooked. And when that yoke is crooked, it's hurting the one who's doing all the pulling and the other one's just kind of getting drug along anyway. So right. both of you are wasting your time. Right. But when you're both pulling, I will say, and I, I think just purely on the results, 
from the day we started then to today. I believe all jobs, all companies, all outcomes have been exponentially great oh, yeah. just because there's two pulling equally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it is, there are things where it's like, I just know, okay, this is Scott's department. You're going to do it. Because we start out, I mean, we talk within our CEO of your life events about starting with your vision and having making sure that we're all on the same page with the vision. And I think that's one thing that we've done well. And we even literally before this podcast, we're like, after this, we need to do vital signs, right? right? Of, of all of our businesses, yep. all of our companies. Yeah, so that's literally what we're doing after this is the vital signs of everything that we've got going on. And for those that don't know what vital signs is, it's it's literally, it's a uh, us just really getting the pulse of where we're spending our time what's making money for us, where is having the most impact for us, and where our, our our passion lies, right? Like right now, a lot of our passion and impact we know is with King's Council, even though we know that it's not really, I mean, it's, it's not really making yeah, money for us money, right? <laughs> right now, but we've had the systems and everything in place that's making money for us in our right. other companies. So we can get more into that on another show. But one thing I wrote down there, being not a team sport, and then coming into a a role or multiple roles now that we have with other business partners and things. I think that's interesting, man. Yep. So we've we've then come into you know our wives have become great friends. Uh, you know more than just business partners, we've become you know best of friends and vacations together, everything along those lines. And really through this process, we've you know monetarily we've done well. And through this process, you know is is everybody kind of knows the story of of how we reached out to Steve and built that relationship all while as I was like initially pursuing that, knowing that you were handling things within some of our other companies that allowed me to initially pursue. So I think I just want uh, the, the importance of partnerships. And as you mentioned, being equally yoked is that if you're, if you have the same vision of, you know, the, the, my desire to originally reach out to Steve and it was like, this is going to be awesome. This is great. And then I could come back and say, Dude, this is this is what's going on with King's Council. What's going on with these other twelve businesses that you right. that you're working on? And then we're able to come together and then doing the vital signs, knowing what we want to focus on, what we want to pour gas on, things along those lines is is so important in any sort of business relationship, your marriage relationship. Yeah. Being able to come together and doing those vital signs is, is so important. So, what do you feel as we're you know we're in San Diego right now? Scott flew into Minnesota caught a flight into San Diego here. We're here for the next 36 hours yeah. and then we're back. Yeah. back to well Tampa and then yeah. into Miami, Miami for the weekend. Yeah. So we spent a lot of time in the hotels, but knowing what we're doing is, it was funny. We were just saying like, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of people that could do what we've been doing here over the last few months. No. We saw a sticker on the flight that said regaining travel or something or getting back oh, into travel. Getting back into we're travel, like, like, did people not? People stopped? <laughs> Are you kidding? We're both like Delta Diamonds. That we're just <laughs> People ringing not travel. Up the miles. Uh, it's yeah. so funny. But what do you think gives you that passion to actually continue to do what what we're doing, or, or you know, just the vision that we have within King's Council? I know I've shared mine and Steve his, but I'm just curious, and I know a lot of the listeners too want to know, like what's what's the passion that drives you, man, to keep this thing going? Well, and I know I touched on it a little bit before, but I kind of feel like. And there's a little bit of an age difference. I'm 13 years older than you and and Is that what Steve. it is? Yeah, right. Man, you could babysat me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you sometimes do still. <laughs> kind of <Yeah>. still. Um, <laughs> so I think what I think a couple things shift in life as you kind of drift through stages, right? So I think there's the you have little kids at home and everything's fun and we're doing stuff, and then your kids are teenagers and they go out. So Hannah 
is out on her own now. So she's in college now and watching her grow in a different way as, as an adult, watching an adult. And I try to do my best kind of like my parents did with us. Hey, you're 18. Congratulations. Listen, all of your decisions are going to be your decisions, but I'll help you if you want, but you got to ask me. Like we got, I'm going to start acting like your friend now who's willing to help in any way, but we're equal. Like you're an adult now. So I need you to be kind of stand on your own two feet and go through that. So as I go through what I've noticed is I'm taking on some of the roles that my dad and my grandparents did, and I'm watching those seasons change slightly. And one of the things that I found, and I know I've, I've said this before, and I, and I always preface it by saying I know it can sound pompous, but I want you to get the whole point. If we wanted to go out and open another company, make another literally a million dollars in the next five, six months, we, we could do that. That does sound super douchey. It, it does. I, I, dude, I get it. I did. But but here's a reality. But that's a reality. Right. That is a reality. We right. could do. We surely could do that. But we're at a point now where I feel like we're good at it. We know we can do it. And there's a comfort level to it. But at the, like, what am I going to do? Just buy a bunch of more stuff? I mean, yes, fun things are fun things. Cars and houses and trips. I get all that. But I've kind of come to a new currency. And like I say, helping someone else if i can watch someone else who no one in their family ever made a million dollars say you taught me something whatever that is you taught me something or you helped me with something that got me from i was on my way to i made it that would be a huge payoff to me that the feeling that that's it so we talk about your why has to be strong enough to get you through stuff and how do you get on a plane and fly away from your family and not sleep in your own bed we were just talking about this you're not going to sleep in your bed 3 days this month right so how can you do that and it can't i'm telling you it can't be just money it can't it can't you can pretend like that for a while but it just can't and when you see the lives that you can touch, the help that you can, you can break generational curses just by, and here's where this comes back. If somebody in King's Council didn't have a dad teach them how to manage their money or understand their bills or know that they didn't have to just work a job, they could actually start something on their own. You can go right now, go to the Secretary of State, open a company and just get started. We live in a beautiful country that you can do that. But if you didn't have someone who could help you do that, I want to be that dad to them too. Or whatever that figure, that coach, that mentor, that thing could be, that payoff to me is so huge that it's worth it. And it comes at a season where we're pretty stable with our systems and we've tightened all that up. And I still believe that God had us systematize stuff so that we could get to a season just like this. Right. So that comfort that you feel to go, I'm going to go reach out to Steve and I'm going to go somewhere because you know there's somebody here kind of taking care of some of the other stuff is that's what our systems are doing now for me too. Like, okay, it's we have great employees. They love us. Everything's good. They're solid. We trust them. They're compensated well. Everything's great in that sense. So everyone's really winning. It really, it's a win, 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 win all the way around. Right. And I think that we can take, I don't want to take anything I've ever learned, any knowledge that I have, any skills that I've either acquired or I'm just duplicating somebody else who taught me, quite frankly. Right. Right. I'm just going to keep paying, paying it forward. There's no reason to take any of this with us. We should leave it all on the field and leave it all with the other players. And I just want to kind of teach more people yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely agree with that, man. But one thing I want to make sure that people hear is I'm a firm believer. If, if you have the ability to make money, and I like to talk about this because I feel like so many Christians don't talk about this because they've grew up in a world of this poverty mentality. And I think it's one of the biggest 
deceptions out there is the ability to make money or create wealth is something it's God given. And, and we all should. If you identify as a king, you know, a biblical king in the Bible, and, and you have that ability to earn money and make money, you better freaking do it. Do it, yeah. Right? Because it's you, kind of a responsibility. It is. Exactly. It is a responsibility that we need to take seriously because this, you know, we talk about the Christian economy and just it's, it's literally not, it's non existent. Non existent. Yeah. And, and that's, I know. I was going to say what I'm hoping for. It's not. It's like what I know that one of the, the verticals that you know Scott and I are here to do and help develop within the King's Council is that financial pillar. Oh, yeah. And to be able to create a true kingdom Christian economy here where, you know, we've, we know we've been given that ability, but that's not enough. Like we have that stuff in place. It's still continually making money for us, but we're now in a position where we want to teach people how to do that themselves, specifically in the Christian community here, because that's what's going to be generational. Absolutely. Let me clarify. The disclaimer was, I know how it could sound, but let's be crystal clear. I do not apologize for success and I'm never going to apologize. I don't want anyone else to apologize for success. And actually kind of that that does touch on something because I sort of felt that myself. And now I learned it and I've told this story before. I now clearly understand it but I know I felt it the wrong way. So my grandfather, my mom's dad, in this tiny little town, he was the mayor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he owned the insurance company and he was bank president for a little while. And I remember my grandmother always telling my mom, you know, we're not really Cadillac people and you've got to be careful. Now, let me preface that. I've heard this my whole life. That doesn't mean it's bad or wrong, but you got to understand the context. If you're in a tiny little town and a farmer who just lost half a crop or something, needs money to make it through the season and has seven kids, and he goes to the banker to borrow money or the insurance company, or right? He's got to go talk to my grandfather, Ozzy Daisy. He's got to call him and say, I need help. The last thing you want to do is pull up on his farm in a fancy, shiny, big catalog. That's 100% accurate. And they're actually right. And it's smart to think that way. But what it did as a young person with a lot of energy and zest for, I'm going to go be a superstar one day, like in my head, I can picture it. it. It got me thinking, why do people feel so limited? That may have been an appropriate move for him in that town in that time. But me, not me. I don't know. I'm Rolls Royce people. I got Rolls Royce. I don't, I don't care. I'm Rolls Royce people. <laughs> I don't care. Listen, I don't need a Cadillac. I don't even want a Cadillac right now, right? But And, and, and I say that to say this, I, I understand where you could take a message from a parent as a child out of context, as a mature adult now, I clearly understand why that was the case. But I also can see why somebody would carry that for a long time. And if a coach or somebody didn't help them, hey, clarify that message, don't carry that with you. And it's not like to to prove to the world that you're actually a good, humble person, you should stay with low means. No, no, no. You can have millions of dollars and still be a humble, gracious person. Right. The dollar amount has nothing to do with it. But I can tell you, if you don't have some of that clean first and then you go make a bunch of money, all it does is magnify your personality or something. If you're a jerk, you're going to be just a jerk with a million dollars. And a jerk with a million dollars can do a lot of bad things. Yeah. So, yes, all the virtues and the humble and all that, that's all still that makes sense. But don't confuse that with staying limited or holding yourself back because really money just creates options. And for me and my family and my kids and my like, listen, I want the options if any of my kids or my family, brothers, sisters, nieces, nephews, any of them ever were to get sick or something and need resources and I had them, that's why I did it. Right. So I want the highest amount of options I can get and that's really it. So 
I can get, I, I see how people sometimes think that, but I think that's also a self-limiting belief that people carry way too long without full context sometimes. And that's one that I actually, I, I would have gotten wrong if I didn't mature through and, and wasn't able to look at that through a different lens from a different time. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think a lot of Christians think that, you know, if, or it's just a perception of, well, they make money, so they're of the world, right? Yeah. Whatever that even means. But that that was, a. I think a lot of people our age right now ha grew up with that self-limiting belief, mm -hmm. or it's just a mindset that is not necessarily their mindset, but it was somebody else's projection on them That's that right. they allowed to warp their, their existing mindset now. And, and us making money, or you listening right now, you making money is not taking money away from other people. Nope. It's not a limiting resource or a limited resource. Know. So you thinking that you're doing uh, doing good by not making it is not helping anybody, right? It's what you do and how you steward it that's the most important component of it. But you still got to make it to be able to steward it, yeah. right? So and, and if we go back to the talent parable, like yeah. what, what are you going to do with it? That's going to be the most important component. And that's that was the game changer for me yeah. of, as you mentioned, you, I mean, if you're a jerk... Yeah. You're just a big, rich jerk, yeah. right? And I, that, I'm living proof yeah. of that. Like yeah. during my first marriage, yeah. right? That's, you can uh, spend I, money on the wrong things, doing right. the wrong things. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And so that's that's for a whole other podcast too. <laughs> a whole other therapy <laughs> session. <laughs> but anyways, I, but, this has been good, dude. Yeah, cool. Uh, I know I, I wanted our you know listeners to get to know you more and more, and they're going to continually know you more and more because you know Scott's going to be on a lot of these um, episodes with us here as part of the leadership team here within the King's Council Tribe. But man, I know you're a wizard at, at communication skills and in marketing. But any like parting words you want to give uh, our listeners here? You know, I, I think I look. At, I I like to look at both sides of this. You know, because we sometimes say, you know, do do I need a coach or do I need a mentor or do I need I, I would look at both sides. I would say everyone, whether you're a coach or not, whether you're, everyone should have one, right? So everyone should have someone else who can help. You cannot read your own label from the inside of your bottle. So until I got other people, like you said, just asking me early on, you had your whole business was working, but asking me for my portion of what I knew and an expertise that I had that just complemented a part of your, everyone's, everyone's life is so multifaceted anyway, you should have and gain interest and, and, and knowledge from a lot of sources with many advisors, right? Plans fail without. So I think you should, that's one thing that everyone should have. And then do it in a spirit that you're trying to gather skills so that you can become bigger and better so that one day you can share those skills so that others can be bigger and better and do it with that purpose. And it makes, it makes being coached and being coachable so much more valuable to you because you know, one day I'm going to get to pay it to somebody else. And now I get to be the shepherd of the middle of that. I actually have been coached by others. I've learned lots of things. I've produced lots of things and it's helpful to me. Now I get to do it to somebody else. And it's so, that's such a wonderful feeling. That really, really, truly is a wonderful feeling. So do it with a spirit of, I want to gain knowledge to become better so that I can help other people. And now not only just money, you're actually a better person with better set of morals, better set of standards, but you know, do that in that. So be coachable so that you can be a good coach. That's good. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I yeah. love it. That's good. And if any of you guys want to know more about our coaching programs within the King's Council, go ahead and text us 727-472-3860. Text KING, the letter KING, K-I-N-G, to 727-472-3860. 
1-800-636-0660. I know, Scout, it's getting late here, and we've got an early morning tomorrow for yep. our Leadership Development Day out here in San Diego. These are things that we host once a month. They're almost like almost business little mini masterminds, are, yeah. really, where we dedicate an entire day for those that are within the upper room here within the King's Council. So we're going to get some rest on that. But man, this has yeah. been awesome. I appreciate you just ripping this here in the, the Hilton Garden Inn. <laughs> in the studios of the, the, Carlsbad, California. Live from Carlsbad, California. Uh, awesome. On the road. Right. No, this has been good. I appreciate you, brother. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the King's Council Podcast. For more information on the King's Council and becoming the CEO of your own life, visit kingscouncilcoaching.com today. You can also follow us on Instagram at kingscouncilcoaching. We'll see you next time.